Hello and welcome to the SureSkills Learn to Grow podcast. My guest this week is Michael Anaya, who is the head of attack surface analysis at Cortex by Palo Alto Networks. Michael and I connected a while back, and I was fascinated by both his background as an FBI special agent and also the challenge facing him in his current role as he implements a vision for his team. So I proposed an idea. Michael is looking to build a successful learning culture, provide dynamic learning experiences for his team, and to double the size of his team over the next six months. So I said, well, why don't you come on the podcast, talk about your plans, and then let's check back in six months and see what worked, what didn't, and what you guys learned. And Michael was up for it, for which I was and am extremely grateful. We discuss how Michael draws on his experience using empathy in interrogations as an FBI agent in his current role, why empowering individuals is crucial to team success, and Michael's plans to use culture to scale effectively. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Here is Michael Anaya. Michael, welcome. Hello, bienvenue. How are you? I am great. What did you start off with? I said bienvenue. It's it's French for welcome. I don't know why I said it in French. <laughs> it just felt right at the moment. That's so funny. I'm like, what is he saying to me? I don't, I don't even know this language. I like to demonstrate my multilingual capabilities. <laughs> Very impressive. <laughs> right at the beginning here. Yeah. How are things? Uh, things are good. I'm busy. Uh, trying to keep everything afloat professionally and personally. But it's a wonderful challenge to have. So like um, stuff with work is going really well. Uh, just a lot of questions and a lot of things I need to work through. But again, wonderful challenges to have right now. Good. Glad to hear it. And where are you based right now? So I'm in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. Not far. I'm, a, I'm about three hours north of you then. I am in the, the mountains of, of North Carolina, just south of Asheville. Ah, your accent. That's where it's from. Yes. Right. Yeah, it's an Asheville accent. <laughs> <laughs> is there an Asheville accent? Is that even a thing? Uh, I don't think so. I don't okay. think so. It's uh, <laughs> something in between uh, northern and southern, uh, some happy medium. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so listen, uh, first of all, thank you for taking the time to do this. Uh, you and I uh, met a couple of weeks ago and had a great conversation about learning and the role of learning in the workplace. Uh, one of the things that drew me to uh, the challenges that you have mentioned already today is that you're currently kind of building out a team and you're, you're fostering and developing team culture. Uh, and we had talked about the idea that, well, look, let's take something that is often discussed theoretically, right? Like the establishment of culture and how important it is and the role it plays in uh, organizations today and the business value that a, a productive, healthy culture can bring. Let's take something like that and look at it practically um, with what you're doing now with your team uh, and then say, okay, go away and work on these, these things that you're working on with your team from a culture development standpoint. And then let's check back in in a few months and see how things have gone. Uh, so I'm really excited, first of all, about this whole project and thank you for agreeing to do it. Uh, and I wanted to start off maybe by, you know, you have a really interesting background because you worked with the FBI um, and you also played a big role facilitating, you know, productive, healthy team cultures and played a major leadership role there. What were some of the things that, that you learned from your time with the FBI that, that you're now kind of bring into your role uh, as a team leader in this, in, in this new situation? 
Uh, first off, thank you for having me. I love, I'm really excited by the project too, right? It holds me accountable. So I'm going to say things today that in six months, you'll be like, Michael, did you do them? <laughs> but to answer your question, one of the things I saw was the importance of ensuring that there is accountability, but also that the vision, the mission was passed along to everyone along the way. But it was something that I took from that experience and realized going forward, when it comes to motivating people, they have to sort of see the results of their work to make it tangible. And that's something I'm striving for today. So that was one of the lessons I learned. So you mentioned a number of different roles there, you know, accountants, data scientists. It sounds like a lot of people with, with diverse skill sets. How do you bring together diverse talents like that in a team culture? That's tricky. Many times, really, what it comes down to is understanding individual motivations. At least that's what I did. Trying to basically talk to each individual. And in the FBI, there were like these classifications of roles. So like special agent, another big classification were analysts. And on my team, I was running with agents, analysts, and what the FBI calls computer scientists, but are more commonly called data scientists. So those are three distinct roles or classifications. And in that role and classification system, it was trying to understand what each of those individuals lumped in that category cared about. And once I was able to identify what they care about, then I was found, and then I found ways to motivate them to get to understand them and build bridges. Because if you think about those three different camps, they have different motivations, different focuses, potentially different cultures. And so trying to blend those cultures together was a challenge, but that is what I was able to do is blend those cultures together and find ways to sort of build that camaraderie and that rapport and make the team whole. What you just described sounds like empathy. Uh, And it sounds like what you are talking about is leaders have a responsibility to empathize with the people that they lead to, to understand the individual motivations of the various people on, on their teams in order for those people to feel valued and to feel like their voice matters and to feel a part of what's happening. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, definitely. That is one of the key components that I learned there and I've applied it going forward was trying to basically lead through empathy, understand the other individuals. One of the things I haven't talked about, um, and I'll mention it now, that empathy didn't just start with running the team. It really started when I was doing interrogations. So in the FBI, I was a special agent and that basically meant I was an individual who was armed with a gun and a badge, and I was the one who was effectuating arrests. And so in doing so, you're talking to subjects. And during that interrogation, it's about connecting with them. It's about building rapport. It's about understanding what motivated them to do the act they did, but also getting them to feel a sense of trust. And the way you build that trust is through empathy. So during those interrogations, it wasn't necessarily like you see in the movies where it's like good cop, bad cop. That's a very common like theory that people use. But I basically, if that was the case, I was always a good cop. But many of these interrogations, it was simply just understanding them, understanding like what their motivation was. And then when you begin to understand and connect, they start trusting you and they open up and they start sharing. So doing these interrogations, I was able to get them to share lots of important information. One particular interrogation allowed me to identify the person shared with me the actual passcode to unlock a hard drive that we needed. The passcode otherwise would never have been known. But eventually this was after three or four hours of just empathizing. It wasn't, I didn't use fear. I didn't use any of those tactics. It was just understanding him. Once he felt comfortable, he basically shared me, oh, by the way, in order to unlock the hard drive that has information you have or you want, you need this passcode. And it was an IMEI number 
was a unique identifier. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. It was a unique identifier on an old cell phone box in his uh, garage. We would never have found it if it weren't for that level of empathy. But I took that and I applied that same concept to running a team. Fantastic. I love that. It's a, it's a great tangible example of, uh, of the results of empathy and connection, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. It was, it was, I look back at that interrogation. I'm like, wow, it was just interesting to see how it all played out. And then the lessons I've learned and I drew from all those experiences uh, were just so impactful and uh, just meaningful work and the value that I was able to sort of impart there. I can take that and impart it now in what I'm currently doing. Love it. So let's transition over to that then. So what are you currently doing? And can you tell us a little bit about your current team and how you're using that concept of empathy and connection to build trust within a a productive team? So my current team, um, I basically run a a team at Palo Alto Networks. And what my team does is essentially we're sort of a tack surface analysis. So tax service basically implies a series of various assets or interfacing computers or devices that a company might have. My team looks at them and determines, does this belong to a company or does it not belong to a company? So uh, if you think about large organizations like Apple or Google or major government entities, they have a bunch of assets out there. Some assets they don't even know about. So my team does is we sort of sift through them, figure out, and we curate them. And that's the genesis of the idea behind my team. So that's what my team does. And so prior to today, my company I worked for was called Expanse. But Expanse was acquired in 2020, let's see, December 2020 by Palo Alto Networks formerly. And now we're brought into the fold. And because of that, we bring into the fold there's a lot more growth and development and Palo Alto wants to basically build what I just described to a, a basically open, unlock that capability for all their customers that requires me to grow my team. So my team is looking about two X. So about to double in size and we want to do this relatively quickly. So we're looking at anywhere from the next maybe two to six months to be able to ramp up to double my team size. So we're going to go from approximately 20 to 40. Could you give us an example currently with your team of, of some of the strategies or tactics or some of the foundations of the culture that you're trying to build there? Yeah, so one of the key concepts I'm trying to build is this, this notion of empowerment. One of the, the things I saw when I got to my first was brought on to my team, uh, the style of management before me was a little different. It didn't embrace this concept of empowerment as much as I am. And so that was one of the things I had to do was sort of change the culture to a degree so that the team felt more empowered to do some of the things I needed them to do. If you can empower and, and let me back up a little bit. If you can empower a team, you can unlock their potential and that is highly scalable. So one of the secrets to scale a team is to empower them. If you think about trying to micromanage a team as they grow, it's very, very difficult to do. Um, and those I've seen typically fail, struggle mightily, and it doesn't, they don't produce good results. But when you can unlock and empower a team and give them responsibilities, trusting them to do the things that they know they can do, just giving them faith, at the same time, learning elements along the way, they actually come quite powerful. So that's what I was able to do. When I got to my team, it was relatively flat. And what I then did is basically start empowering people to take on leadership roles within the team. And that created some level of delineation of responsibility. So I had a team lead and I use that term. We use a different term. We call them program coordinator, but essentially I think team lead is a little bit more common. 
So essentially we had a bunch of team leads that I delegated and I empowered them to run different components within the organization I was running. And it was centric on workflow. That really unlocked their capability. Because I empowered these individuals to become team leads, that allowed them to take on more responsibility, more accountability, positive and negative. And that basically encouraged others to sort of say, oh, wow, I, by working hard, there's a set, there's an element of now I have more responsibility, which many times I like. And I think those who want to sort of gain more responsibility, build their skill set like as well. And so it's just doing that and it allowed me to delegate. So it allowed me to look more at the vision. That became quite powerful. And that really is one finite skill that I was able to build and it lent to success. So prior to me, the team I managed, they struggled to sort of meet some of the objectives. After I took over, we've not missed any of our deliverables since I arrived. Uh, so that's a finite example. If you ask me, what did I do? That's essentially what I did. Interesting. So you're already seeing kind of a return on your uh, quote unquote cultural investments, say. Exactly. If we take the two concepts you've discussed, right, using uh, empathy to build trust and then empowering your employees, giving them responsibilities, uh, having them be accountable, but in, in, in positive ways, does that also empower them to fail and feel okay with it and to learn from failure then as opposed to kind of cowering in fear if a mistake is made? That is such a great point. Yes. And that's tricky. Uh, it's a very fine line. What I strive to do, and it's something that's still a work in progress, and it's something I hope in six months when we come back to this, that I've been able to say I've been able to solve it and it's refined now. Um, many times what we're trying to cultivate in my team is this environment of, of trust and safety, and it's okay to make a mistake. We want to shift the focus from the mistake itself to the actual element that is the benefit of the mistake is learning, right? So people talk about it's okay to make mistakes. Generally speaking, they forget to follow up with it's okay to make mistakes because you're going to learn from that mistake. You have what seems like a very solid bedrock of culture within your current team. And I know it's still kind of a work in progress. Um, but how do you then, you know, you're talking about 2x scale and, and that, you know, this kind of healthy culture is a way to scale effectively. How do you plan then to bring in additional team members into that team and have them assimilate into the culture effectively? What we're doing is to sort of be accountable for these ideas is we're creating OKRs. So objectives and key results. And the objective here is to bring in new people into the fold as we expand. Some of the key results is to create an updated training program that is highly immersive and engaging. That's something we want to do. I've noticed that our current training program for my team specifically isn't as engaging as it needs to be. It's kind of boring, <laughs> candidly. Uh, it's very like tactical, it's functional, it gets the job done. It's like oatmeal, right? It's there, but we need to dress it up a little bit. We need to add more flavor. We need to add like some pizzazz. And so that's really what I want to basically help my team next is really sort of make it more immersive. Make it so that people when they're learning, especially remote, they're able to really feel connected. They're able to actually internalize information, participate in the training sessions. So like I said before, we're about to 2X the team. We have to have a pretty narrow timeline in order to do that and then ramp the people. So that's just really sort of more quantitative to make sure that we actually meet those timelines that we set for ourselves. And so we have internal goals in terms of when we need to hire X number of people and then how quickly we need to have those individuals ramp so they're able to handle the production, the core level that we expect. 
So those are kind of things we're going to try to do to bring people in the fold. If all goes well in six months when we chat again, I'll come back with measurable information about each of those key results. It sounds like what you're trying to do is facilitate a successful learning experience that is dynamic and engaging and thought-provoking and using that word again, empowers your people to, to learn and grow, right? Love it. These are great, I think, uh, benchmarks to think about here. You know, we have obviously the, the cultural piece, and then we have the building of a successful learning experience for your people. One of the things about culture is that culture is either intentional or accidental. Culture is happening, whether you like it or not. What I laud you for is being so intentional upfront about culture and about what you're building with your team. I think you have a great shot at doing all the things that you're planning on doing. And I'm really excited to check in over the course of the next few months and then to have you on again in a few months to see where you guys are, how you guys have scaled, you know, you have your growth targets. So I'm excited about it. You must be too. I know, I'm super excited. Like when we first had this conversation and, and this is uh, for your listeners, this was Simon's idea in terms of like to break it down this way. I loved it, right? Because it honestly holds me accountable. And I love that. I love that facet of it because sometimes I have these lofty goals and ideas, but not having someone to say, hey, I need you to be accountable. That adds an extra level for me, at least motivation. And so I'm excited about that prospect. So I love it. Great idea, by the way. Fantastic. Well, listen, I will leave you to the rest of your afternoon. And uh, I am looking forward to touching base again soon. And thank you for being so open to hanging out. Of course. I appreciate the time. Thank you very much. All right, Michael, be in touch. All right, thank you. That was Michael Anaya. I hope anyone looking to implement their own vision, whether personally or for a team, can take something away from that. We'll hear back from Michael in the coming months. And as usual, all the necessary links are in the show notes. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. Take care and all the best.